to another episode of Mentor Musings. I'm JC, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brett. Hey, Brett. Hey, JC. How are you today? Doing great. Doing great. Ready to uh, to dive in. So we're going to change it up on you guys a little bit today. Brett and I always are having conversations together about startups that we're mentoring, trends in the marketplace, and really the, the genesis of this whole idea behind Mentor Musings was we should just start recording our conversations. And so what we're going to do today, you guys, is rather than cover one topic, we're just going to have a free-flowing conversation. So Brett and I didn't prepare. We are just going to start offering up some ideas and some insights. So Brett, I'll start first. Uh, this week, uh, PitchBook, which if you know anybody listening is not already, you should really sign up for PitchBook's newsletter. They aggregate data from all over the world about startups, about fundraising, uh, you know, the VC angel, late stage, early stage. They uh, they just released their, their quarterly report that talked about venture funding. So in 2020, we broke basically ever venture funding record out there, right? The, the amount of money that was poured into the startup investment market, um, you broke every record on, on scene. And a lot of people were wondering, okay, well, how long can this keep up? You know, it's always that question of, are we in a bubble or are we still in a boom? And 2021 Q1 results show that we're still very much in a boom. In fact, uh, Q1 year over year for 2021 is up 92%. So we're up 92% from this quarter this year, the first quarter last year, despite the fact that last year was the biggest funding round on record. So another statistic that I thought was important is that the volume of money, the majority of the money that was uh, raised in, in Q1 actually went towards later stage startups. And so I guess maybe a question for you, Brett, is does that surprise you that most of the capital is still continuing to go into later stage companies or or, or not? Yeah. You know what? Before I get there, I want to flip it back to you before I answer the question, because I'm just curious if that surprised you, the amount of funding with the pandemic. I almost thought things, I, I saw two inverse things probably happening. The number of new companies being formed and started was going to go up, right? People had lost their jobs, they were burned out, whatever. Now was the time to go in. But I'm a little surprised that the, the amount of funding was to the levels that it was based on where we were at. Is that, did that surprise you? It, no, that didn't surprise me, but where the capital went did surprise me a little bit. Okay, so it didn't surprise me because everybody I know in the VC and institutional investment world, you know, the, the capital that's raised, they call it the driest powder. There's no clawing that money back and redistributing True. that okay. money back to investors. So once those new funds were raised, the money had a, they had a choice. Either the money should sit there or what most VCs have to do is they have to subscribe the round. They have to make sure that they have all of the capital deployed because having it just sit in a bank account does them no good. Uh, what did surprise me though, so so while the funding activity keeping up, it was a little bit of a how big or how small, but it was never gonna dry up. But what did surprise me was that almost, um, almost a lot of the money that was deployed was deployed to existing investments. And I, I guess that makes yeah. logical sense looking back because what investors were doing is they were protecting their existing investments, right? Because they didn't know what COVID was going to be. They didn't know how long it was going to impact things. I mean, I, I remember in the news, I heard stories about startups shutting down, literally raising $50 million and then furloughing their entire staff until this whole pandemic thing played itself out or at least got a little bit further along. Right. So. I, I just didn't anticipate when things happened that they would just put most of that money back into existing investments, especially because you and I talk about this trend all the time. 2020 was also the most number of new businesses started in the United States. So you right. had 
all of these new businesses being started because of COVID and the disruption in the market. But despite that, and despite the volume of funding that was happening, a lot of that money was being positioned back towards existing investments, not the new ones. Yeah, I think back into existing investments, but uh, cherry picking, right? Based on the pandemic, and we've talked, I think maybe episode one or two, it's been a while now (laughs) of, right? There was gonna be post COVID, right? We're, We're heading into, there's no going back, the new normal, blah, blah, blah. But my sense is a lot of the VCs were doubling down on businesses that look like they would be better positioned in the new digital world or remote workforce, et cetera, et cetera. And the ones that were reliant on the older economy were essentially not getting the funding anymore. So I think there was some cherry picking of who got it. So as we talk about the rich get richer sometimes, and this one was just purely, you know, timing, right? We talk about timing all the time with investments, but in this case, I think, right, those folks that were in the right side of this equation, you know, did well, so it doesn't surprise me. But, you know, going all the way back to your initial question to me on surprised on later stage versus early stage, I guess if they were reporting it as total dollars or if it was number of investments. If you told me the number of investments that went into later stages was more than early stage, I'd be surprised. But I think if total dollars going into later stage, just more expensive in later stage, you got to put more capital into those accounts, which makes sense. But I didn't, I haven't seen that much of a slowdown on the angel or not the angel, but the seed side in the early stage. If anything, I think that that may be picking up. Maybe check sizes are smaller. I didn't. I haven't dug into that to see it, but um, I guess I'm not completely surprised unless you told me that it was the number of deals versus the the capital that they were investing. No, in fact, Brett, you're 100% spot on. So number one, angel investment in Q1 also broke previous records. Over 1,500 new seed level investments from angels occurred just in Q1 alone in the United States, right? Uh, So what you're sensing from a volume standpoint is absolutely correct. And yes, logically speaking, I think there's two reasons why the majority of the dollars went. Precisely what you said, uh, actually, you said both of these things. Number one, the checks you write for a $50 million check to a Series D company or a Series E company, right? Right. Um, and so there's that piece of it. The other piece of it is an extension of the exact same principle you talked about before. When COVID happened, the VCs were cherry picking their best bets. They thought that would be impacted the most positively by COVID or they'd have the most opportunity because of COVID. And so what's happening now as a continuation of that is investors want to extend that private runway, staying private as a company before they go IPO or they get acquired, to continue to generate and acquire as much enterprise value as possible. And that's why I think it's an important thing to note is that what you're going to see, we've already seen, you know, this week Coinbase went public and I mean, you know, a hundred billion dollar IPO. I mean, you know, you're going to see more and more trends like this because investors are buying their startups and their ventures more time to acquire enterprise value as a public entity and then go public or then be acquired. And I think the other thing that you're going to see, and you know, my prediction and our prediction, I think all along has been most startups, new startups funded ever. We're going to hear that at some point. 
Just everything is shaking out that way. And you're going to have this tidal wave of liquidity of much higher and larger exits that are happening because these later stage companies are getting additional runway to acquire enterprise value before they exit. And the tidal wave of all of that liquidity and exit is going to pour back down into all of those big companies or the big uh, wave of companies that just started. So last year we broke records on new businesses created. Those companies are now going to start receiving a lot more funding from those exits that are happening. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And again, back to the audience, this is good, right? If you're looking for funding and investment and you're positioned well for the the post-COVID, right, there's going to be opportunities. And and kind of that, you know, where the money's going, coming back down into the seed kind of leads me to, you know, what I found in the news (laughs) this morning. And I haven't hit you with this yet, so it's going to be a blind reaction. And the date is a little bit older. But, you know, basically I read you the headline, a study of 2.7 million startups found the ideal age to start a business is what? I'm gonna hit you with that question. What do you think the ideal age of a founder is to start a business? Okay, so I I think I might know the answer. So I'm gonna be able to thumb the scale potentially, but we'll see. But ideal meaning in terms of exit, I take it, right? Like in terms of of acquiring value and find as success. So they look, they could actually tie back the startup with exits and revenue, et cetera. So, I mean, it's still a little, it's not a hardwired number of of what success is, but yeah, they, they were able to tie it back to, you know, exits. Yeah. Okay. I think it's going to skew a lot of people. I think naturally are going to think younger because we think of entrepreneurs. We think of college students who are, you know, we think of Mark Zuckerberg. We think of uh, 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 Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Right. But in reality, most successful startups are started by people who are more experienced and stable in their their careers. So I'm going to guess in the mid 40s, early to mid 40s. Spot on 45, right between 40 and 45, depending on what success metric you're looking at. But if you know, the top 1% of exits, that average age of those founders was 45. So, you know, it's not surprising, right? It is surprising because all the VC money, not all of it, is going into the 20 something, right? They're betting on those ideas. And there's a universe of these, they call them middle age in this article, which I take offense to. I prefer to call them seasoned, (laughs) right? Founders that, you know, are paying for it. And I'll just give you a couple more stats again. So folks are on the fence thinking about whether I should start my own business. Is it too late in month? And it's never too late. You know, just a 50 year old startup founder is 2.2 times more likely to found a successful startup than a 30 year old. A 40 year old is 2.1 more times likely to successful 50 year old startup founders 2.8 more times likely to found a successful startup as a 25 year old and the one that i'm not there you're definitely not there is a 60 year old startup founders three times as likely to found a successful startup as a 30 year old founder so again i think it does come to experience they don't tie a ton of um, the why behind it, I think we can we can speculate, but you know I think the the biggest thing I talk about all the time is you know the the difference between idea and a, an execution, right? These folks know how to execute, and they may have more personal capital and tied to it, but you know from a personal standpoint, that's why these are the companies I like to invest in. I like the folks that are coming out of the corporate world. Don't have to be forty and fifty, but you know some seasoned experience that helps drive. Now I'll work with you know, anybody and everybody to help them get where they go. But from an investment standpoint, 
you know, this, I've actually added this to my investor deck that says, Hey man, if you've got experience, there's a better chance that you're going to be able to execute your way to a, a successful outcome with, with this business. So, um, I know I kind of blindly hit you, you knew some of the numbers, but so that's, uh, kind of in line with, with what you see. I'm just curious if that's what you see. You've been doing this for a long time now. Um, is that, is yeah. that a line? I think it does. And I think what's even more impressive about that statistic. So here's what we know. Statistically speaking, probabilistically, law of averages says every startup fails or most startups fail, I should say. Right? Right. What's even more impressive about the number of exits and, and the success is that, and I don't know, maybe the article references this, but I have to imagine that the volume of companies are being started by a younger demographic, meaning that the, the denominator favors the young, which means the exit rate should favor the young, just in terms of quantum and, and actual net exit, right, or right. net acquisition. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's a better chance of exiting when you're in an older demographic, despite the fact that they have a fewer number of startups that are in those spaces. So a lot of people may think, oh, well, the, the smaller numbers helps kind of build up that exit number. Actually, it hurts it. Right. right. In fact, like you expect a much higher exit rate because if there's more startups, you have more chances of being acquired and generating value. That's just how it works. When when you win, you win big. You know, usually in startups, it's a bit of feast or famine. So I would have imagined, I think a lot of people would, that it would skew younger. But the fact that it skews older makes it even more impressive because they don't represent, I would imagine, the majority lion's share of the new startups that are being developed. Those those millions of businesses that were started in 2020, uh, a lot of them were started by a younger skewed demographic. That's just right. natural, especially because unemployment, you know, you have the, the inextricable link between the level of unemployment and the number of businesses launched because some people just start companies because they got to eat. <laughs> That's how you make money. I can't get a job. I got to, you know, and, and Gen Z and millennials were impacted. Usually the younger generations are impacted more significantly by unemployment rates. And so, again, that's why you see the volume of entrepreneurship favor the young, but the volume of exits favoring the more experienced season, I think it's exactly for the reason that you said, Brett. Yeah. And anecdotally, that's been my observation is that while anybody can be successful, it's the people who do have more experience. Um, and, and like you said, I think, you know, personal financing to give them a little bit more of a runway. Um, and not be so dependent on friends and family to fund that first seed round or pre-seed round. I think they got a good chance of success. Yeah, and I, I wonder too, it doesn't get, the data doesn't talk about it, but specifically when you're in your 20s, you have less to lose theoretically, right? You may not have a mortgage yet. You may not have a lot of things that if it doesn't work, not the end of the story. And I'm going to completely butcher this this saying, but I think it was Mike Tyson said, man, if you don't know life until you get punched in the mouth. You don't know how you're going to react until you get punched in the mouth. Yeah. And, you know, these 30, 40, 50 year olds, they've been through the ringer in corporate America or not, right? They've seen what happens. And, and not that the younger entrepreneurs can't. And we want, again, my goal, your goal, I think, is more and more people to run their own businesses because I do think this is the future. But I think that experience does help you get through some of those first pitfalls or obstacles that you come into. And I think the the bigger recommendation for me is work. Find that experience, right? There's a bunch of us out here that can help you that have been through these wars, you know, as a mentor. And we, we talked about that a couple episodes ago that can use that experience to help guide you through this process, right? I mean, it's going to be new probably to everybody, but, you know, the data doesn't lie. And there's a reason why you know, they are able to execute, you know, kind of at a higher level than maybe some of the startups. So experience matters. Uh, shouldn't be a discouragement, but just think about that as you're growing and the resources and, you know, the folks that you need to be part of that team. 
It's extremely well said, Brett. And, and we've talked about this on another episode as well. The number one reason a startup fails is the founders quit. That's, I mean, that's it. Now there's a lot of things that predicate that decision, but to your point, when you're younger and the world's in front of you, it's easier to kind of step in and out of things. But when you're more experienced and you've got a lot more on the line, you may not have the luxury of being able to, to pull that ripcord quite as quickly as a 20 something. So yeah. for all of you uh, folks out there who are listening in, I, I don't know what, we don't know what your age demographics are. Entrepreneurship is for everyone, but yeah. uh, if you are skewing, um, you know, towards the more seasoned side, let's say, uh, um, don't 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 deny your entrepreneurial uh, appetite or activities just based on that idea alone. In fact, uh, these great stats that Brett has shared uh, support the fact that you should be taking a step towards that because it makes it an even better return on investment for you. Yeah, and if we could dig into the numbers and statistics and do some surveys, my guess is that you know we we talk about the you know the over ten year overnight success. My guess is these more seasoned. <laughs> founders, you know, it was a longer time to liquidity or whatever they're defining as success, where I think the younger entrepreneurs are going to hit hit it big in a shorter amount of time, less likely to do so. But, you know, I think that's where the maybe that the, the 2x difference is they figured out how to get where it needs to go. But it just took more time than maybe the the younger demographic is willing to give it or understands that that what it takes. So fascinating. And I'm sure we could spend an hour and a half talking about this, but um, maybe for future episodes, I do like these, you know, in the news type segments, just because, you know, it's top of mind. So if we're thinking about it, I'm guessing, you know, a lot of other folks have, have seen the data as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do more like this. Uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is just a, a riff session. This is what Brett and I would be doing if the camera wasn't on. So hope you enjoyed it. We'll, we'll try to get producer Dennis to uh, post links to some of the articles that we were sharing just so you can get a little bit uh, smarter on what we were talking about. But as always, Thank you for tuning in. Like, subscribe, comment, share this with others. Remember, even if you're a founder, you have to be in the fraternity of founders. You have to be a mentor to others. So if you think this will help someone, you think it's interesting, post it, share it, or engage with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. But uh, as always, best of luck with your venture, and we'll see you next time. Yep. Cheers to everybody next week.